Exodus chapter 21. Please read again verse 1 with me. Uh, the children of Israel there at Sinai. I do this every couple of weeks just to remind you the scene here. This isn't just a bunch of one-liners that God gave Moses. He says, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. This is the, the, the expanded law of God there. He gave them the Ten Commandments, but this is how it plays out in life. You know, that's, that's what these commandments are. And as we go through these, these commandments, these, these judgments that the Lord set out before them, uh, I'm, I have, and I trust that everyone, no doubt, has seen our failings in these things. Our failings in loving God, our failings in loving our neighbor. A while back, I, I shared with Sister Nelda that one of my favorite things to teach through is the tabernacle, and I've done it a couple times, not here yet. Uh, I intend to, as, as time does permit. But one of the beautiful things about the tabernacle and all the observances and the clothings and the tapestries and the sacrifices and all these things is that what made it necessary was violation of these things that God gave. In every point, every single person falls short of the glory of God. At every single point, every single person has violated the judgments of God. And that the law being good, it testifies against hearts that are desperately wicked, that we are indeed sinners before God. So we spend much time in this law and in tasting of the bitterness in it so that we can fully appreciate the sweetness of the love of God, of the grace of God. This, this law was given to the Jew, but we're going to see that God gave the Gentile also a conscience so that we as Gentiles would do by nature those things that are written in the law. That's what it says in Romans chapter 2. We'll read that in a few minutes. But as we go through this, please don't let your brain go numb. See in every point how that each one of us, that, that you are guilty, as I have seen, that I am guilty under the law of God. If, if we've been studying along and you have not seen yourself yet guilty in the law, may God provoke you unto repentance. Is that a law, I, I was I've been told before that the law is like a bubble. And if it, you prick the law at any point, you've broken the entire law. You, you've, you've violated the entirety thereof. So if you're not loving God, you're going to break these. And no man loves God. In fact, by, by birth and by nature, every man is at enmity with God. That's what it says in Romans chapter 8. Enmity, opposition, opposed. And loving our neighbor, we each come short of these things because no one being, no one of us is perfect. So none of us can truly love our neighbor. Today we're uh, not of ourselves, that is. Uh, in loving our neighbor, we fulfill the law by the Spirit of God. And we'll read that too. Uh, you may recall a few weeks ago in Exodus chapter 21, verses 28 and 29, there was a, a message that was the responsibility of ownership. Read those verses again. Chapter, 20, chapter 21, verses 28 and 29. If an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall be stoned, and shall, shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be quit, or won't be guilty of that, that murder. But if the ox were want or had occasion or, or had a, a tendency 
to push or gore. That word push means gore with his horn in time past, and it had been testified to its owner, and he had not kept him in, but that he hath killed a man or a woman. The ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. That was the responsibility of ownership. Well, today we're going to be looking at verses 35 and 36, and this is a responsibility of ownership, part two. Responsibility of ownership, part two. Please read verses 35 and 36 with me, and you'll see the similarity. There's differences, but you'll see the similarity. And if one man's ox hurt another's, or another man's ox, that he die, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money of it, and the dead ox also they shall divide. Or if it be known that the ox hath used to push, or has pushed or gored in the past, and the owner hath not kept him in, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead ox shall be his own. So the, the person who did not keep his ox in will pay the one damaged of equal or greater value. Not equal or lesser value, equal or greater value for the ox that, he, that is dead. And the dead ox shall be his own, meaning the one that had suffered loss, he doesn't have to divide that either. He, he gets a new ox, plus he gets to keep the remains of the old one, you see. And while we see that there's some similarity in verses 28 and 29 and verses 35 and 36, there's a big difference here. In verses 28 and 29, you're talking about a man or a woman getting injured. In verses 35 and 36, you're talking about another animal getting injured. And we'll get into that major difference in just a moment. But as we see this, we must also see the entirety of the law through the holy and right and good perspective that the Lord Jesus Christ laid out in Matthew chapter 22. So turn over to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And verse, begin reading with me, please, in verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, if you would mark somehow, hang all the law and the prophets. So every time we come to a new section or a new clause in the law, it is fulfilled. Chapter 21, verses 35 and 36 is fulfilled in loving the Lord with everything you have and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the solution. That, 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 that is the explanation of it. It's fulfilled in Christ in those things. Okay. So as we look back at it in the text, it is an issue of loving the Lord with everything you have and also loving your neighbor as yourself. We talked about it before. That poor, these poor ox, man, they really they really take a beating in the law, don't they? They they're they're guilty of everything. They're just, they're just horrible, you know. Makes you makes you kind of wonder why anybody. You know, if I was an oxman, I would probably say, you know what, I'm selling all my ox, you know. But it would apply to giraffes and elephants and dogs and horses and whatever else. It's just the Lord's used ox, and that's what He did. He used the word ox. But the the application of this is broader than just the ox. So please. Please know that. It's not just about oxen. It's about loving God and loving your neighbor. So we'll be able to apply these things because none of us hold ox or oxen. 
Uh, but we'll be able to apply these things in a, in a logical, rational way, but also in a spiritual way. So the problem, you got a problem. The responsibility of one man affecting the responsibility of another. One man, look at here in verse 35, if one man's ox or one man's responsibility hurt another's, another man's responsibility. That's a, that's a problem, right? Uh, and, and so you can apply it. Um, if Brother White brought his dogs over here and one person's dog hurt another man's dog, it, 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 if we had cows or if we had horses or whatever, if the responsibility of one man affected, hurt, and killed the responsibility of another, that's that's what the problem here is in the in the passage. Okay. So as owners, all of us own to a certain degree something. We all there's no one here that does not have some form of possession. Okay? As owners, each of us have a responsibility and care for what is owned by others. Okay? So while this church owns this property, this church also allows me to live here. So I have the responsibility and to the best of my ability, making sure this place is safe. Yes, for you, verses 28 and 29, but also for your stuff, verses 35 and 36. So if if that's why we also have uh, insurance, property insurance. So let's say that I don't keep the absolute best of care and someone parks it underneath one of these pecan trees and it comes down and crashes through their window, okay? And the, the object that, I'm some, that, that we and I particularly am responsible for injures the thing that another person is responsible for, then, then there has to be coverage there, you see? So there was no state farm back in, in these days. So what were they supposed to do? As an owner, each of us has responsibility, again, in caring for those things that are owned and under the responsibility of others. It's just wise that if someone has a house, and in that house they have a staircase, that when there are children or maybe children around, that they put up proper barriers in that staircase. Okay? Uh, whether there's a lock on a handle or a gate in front of the door or whatever. It's just, it's just responsible. But also... For our, for, for our stuff, you know, looking out for one another's possessions and responsibilities. So, setting your parking brake would be an example of this on a hill so your car doesn't roll into somebody else's car. You may not hurt somebody, but you're, the thing you're responsible for may damage something someone else is responsible for and may, quote, kill it or total it, you see. While you don't have an ox, you got a car. You might park it on a hill and it might hurt it hurt, might hurt someone else's thing. So putting your dog up so it won't chase, hurt, or kill another pe- person's dog is also responsible. It would be a responsible thing for people to do. Fixing precarious structures. You know, we had a, a, uh, a the front porch, the overhang out here. It was, it was hanging. It was precarious. Yes, it could have fallen on somebody, verses 28 or 29, but it could have also fallen, Brother White likes to park next to the porch. It might have fallen on his vehicle and damaged his vehicle, verses 35 and 36. Not just protecting one another, but also protecting one another's responsibilities or obligations or possessions, you see. It is a response. Ownership, there is responsibility for sure. Owners have the responsibility to stabilize their property. Again, verse 35. If one man's ox hurt another man's, that he that he die. As far it, it would be a responsible thing for an owner of an ox, knowing the the um, 
the nature of ox and that they do indeed have horns and they're big and strong and and can have the potential to gore, it would be wise for an owner to responsibly stabilize or secure their property. It would be a wise thing to do. It's also wise for an owner in securing their, their, their responsibilities to have an idea and a, and a mindfulness of protecting their neighbor's property. Okay, So if somebody has a gate or if somebody has a fence, it's to keep your own stuff in, but your neighbor's stuff out, and to, to, to stop the mingling between the two so that there'd be no harm exchange there. It's a protection of self and responsibility and your neighbor and their responsibilities, you see. That's why people put up that sign, beware of dog, right? Well, dogs can't read. People can, verses 28 and 29. But people being able to read also would have the presence of mind not to put their dog also beyond that fence, verses 35 and 36. You see, there's protective measure both for for neighbor and there's also protection for neighbor's stuff, neighbor's responsibilities. It, would, it is right to properly and intelligently keep animals according to their nature and ability. Okay? So I have probably a broader view of the nature and ability of birds, and I don't like being around them. So Sister Jill has wanted to have a pet bird ever since we've been married, and before then I believe she mentioned something about having a pet bird. Well... And you can't, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. When loving myself, I think birds can poke my eyeballs out and I don't want them anywhere near around me. So what do I do? I keep birds out of the house. And she being a loving neighbor will not bring birds into the house, right? So it's, it's right and intelligent to understand the nature and ability of animals and also the nature and ability of all things that we possess, all of our possessions, those things that we're responsible for, Right? So to put it in in the frame of human beings, some parents have kids that are prone to biting. So if if you have a kid that's prone to biting, you don't put him in a daycare without saying first, hey, watch out for my kid. He bites people, right? So there's intelligence. It's reasonable loving our neighbors that we won't put others in danger and we won't put in danger uh, the, the, the responsibilities of others either. Likewise, with all property, keeping notice uh, of, of potential uh, hazards is right. Okay, so think about this. If there's slick rocks around here, creek bed or whatever, falling limbs, whatever, it's right for a, an owner to have responsibility over the things that they're over so that they will not hurt another man's whatever. Okay? Um, think about this. I know that grass, when it's wet, can be slick. I gotta take super care when I mow out front there that I'm not mowing and throwing a bunch of grass into the yard and then somebody's tire catch that, especially motorcycle, catch that and, and be slick and move, okay? I, I gotta be, we gotta be careful about the things we're responsible over. Even if we think we're doing a good thing, we got to be careful of the things we're responsible over and that we don't hurt others, verses 28 and 29, or the things that belong to others, verses 35 and 36. Okay. We can gather from verse 36 that it would be right, even if you have a problem animal or you have a problem with things that you have responsibility for, it, he's not demanding that those things be put to death just of themselves, 
But in the responsibility of ownership, it's right that that problem be kept or bound. Look at verse 36 again. Or if it be known that the ox hath used to push in time past, and his owner hath not kept him in. You know, the, the, the problem isn't with the nature of an ox. The problem is with the owner not being responsible in his ownership over his possession. That's the problem. Okay, an ox is going to be an ox. Grass is going to be slippery. So are rocks when they're wet. So owners, there is a, there is a responsibility. Okay? There is a responsibility. It does not call for the destruction of the creature, nor, do, uh, nor does it in verse 29, but, but that it be properly kept. Now, when in verse, verse 30, verse 29, rather, when, when the destruction of the animal is called upon after it's gored and it's not kept, and in verse 28, that's when it's dealing with people, you see. But in verses 35 and 36, the destruction of the thing, it comes back to the owner. You see the responsibility of the ownership there. And I believe the Lord, one of the reasons that he used the ox in all these examples, you ever heard that, that phrase, dumb ox? You ever heard somebody call it a dumb ox? They're, they're not overly smart, oxen aren't. So owners have responsibility. Okay, so in verse 35 says one man's hurt ox or one man's thing hurt another man's thing. What's the development? That he died. This passage does not cover minor injuries. Did you know that? It, so in, in previously in, in chapter 21, it talks about servants being hurt. And if they're laid up from work and you cover them their cost and all these things, well, when it's just animal to animal, it doesn't get into it. The only one that's important is the death of the animal. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. See, animals are not people. Okay, there's a there's an idea that has come up sometime that you know that you have a fur baby and this is one of my children and whatever. Animals are not people, and by the law of God are not to be treated the same as people. They should not be treated the same. God says, and remember we read verse 1, these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. This is God's word. He says that animals are not people, and people are not animals. Some people have lost their minds with this type of mentality. They really have. It's very sad. You know, we had a dog that ran out here and got hit by a car. It was very sad. But that wasn't a child. It wasn't a human being. That's right. You see? Look over in Genesis chapter 9, if you would, please. Genesis chapter 9. Noah and his family, they've disembarked off, off of the, uh, the, the ark. And God Almighty is saying things. When he said the law and the prophets, I, I believe that consisted of Genesis chapter 9 as well. That's right. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand they are, are they delivered. Yeah. Okay, so it was the, 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 the dominion possession of man over this earth. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, shall be edible, shall be food for you. Yeah. Even as the green herb have I given you all things. But the flesh of the life thereof, which is the blood 
thereof shall you not eat. Don't drink the blood. Don't eat blood. Cook your meat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. See, God in his goodness and his bounty says, eat whatever you want. But if something hurts you, beast is given to man for food. But man is not the same as beast. That's why there's differentiation in the law. There's a difference there. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man. And at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Why? Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. An ox is not made in the image of God. Verses 35 and 36. But a man or a woman. Notice, not just a man. A man or a woman. Verses 28 and 29. Are made in the image of God. Male and female created he him. He them, and the image of God made he them. Genesis chapter 2. So, animals are not people. It would be cruel, it would be cruel to have dog fights, chicken fights, and whatever fights, oxen fights. It's cruel to have animals come in and fight one another. I know that's a cruel thing to do. It really is. But you see, there, there's a difference between man and beast in the law. What's the restitution? Look in, in these verses. In verse 35, it says, if one, man, if one man's ox hurt another man's, or another's, that he died, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money of it, and the dead ox also shall they divide. So this seems fair, and it must be because the Lord says so. Whether you think it's fair or not, the Lord says it's fair. But that's also illuminated the depraved mind and the heart of man because men always want to seek advantage. They always want to come out ahead. They always want just a little bit more. There's a movie that the kids watch and then maybe they don't watch it as much as, as I think they should or whatever. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They're, they're handing out pieces of candy and and, and at one scene, uh, somebody says, no, they had two pieces. I want two pieces. And he said, no, one. Everybody has one and one is enough. Everybody wants more. Everybody thinks they need more. Everybody thinks they should come out ahead on their, their dealings, don't they? But here in verse 35, loving God and loving your neighbor, everything comes out even. Yeah. Even. The man who has suffered a loss, they sell the live ox, split the money down the middle. And they take the dead ox and whatever they do with it, it doesn't clearly say what they do with it, but whatever they do with it, it's divided down the middle as well. Even. Half and half. You don't want to be at a loss? Well, keep your responsibilities in order. If, if, you're, if you think your ox might go damage somebody else's ox, well, keep your ox bound up. If you don't want somebody else's ox coming over and, and bothering your ox, well, protect your ox. Take diligence to protect your ox or car or dog or bird or flower plant or what, whatever, whatever. The owner of the one that hurt another would learn to love their neighbor watchfully. If I owned an ox, I would learn to love my neighbor watchfully. If I had a dog that was prone to biting, I would learn to love to watch my neighbor lovingly. You see? 
If you have stairs that are really slick, it only takes one visitor to come in and slip before you say, you know what, I got to fix this and put some grip stuff, grip paint on there because I'm watching out for my neighbor. This law should teach the children of God to lovingly watch out for their neighbor and their neighbor's substance. For the neighbor lovingly protecting uh, the cause while looking out for one another. You know, this is taught in the New Testament as well. Look Look in Philippians. We studied Philippians not long ago. Look in the book of Philippians, if you would please, in chapter 2. And this is fulfilling the law of Christ. Look in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation of Christ, in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, bearing of, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done if you strive for vainglory, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not on not look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's the application of what we're reading. If one is responsible according to the Spirit of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, yes, we will love our we will love the Lord with everything we have all our substance, everything we have, mind, body, soul, strength. But we'll also love our neighbor, and part of loving our neighbor is making sure that their things are safe and secure. Somebody goes on a trip, don't you ask somebody, hey, can you watch my place for me and make sure nobody comes in and steals? Looking out for one another, substance, truly loving one another, the law, fulfilling the law of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Love, truly showing love toward one another. So that covers verse 35. One man's thing hurt another man's thing, and then and then it died, and, and an ox isn't the same as a human. So they divide it down the middle, and 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 both people have the the uh, the 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 reimbursement for both the live and the dead, whatever they did with it. It's, it's fine, it's good, it's fair, it's holy, it's right. God says so. So in that, obviously, someone would rather have a live ox than a dead one unless they killed it to eat it or whatever. So what do we do? How do we protect against verse 35? Love God and love your neighbor. Protect your neighbor's stuff away from your stuff and also have a mindfulness of your stuff in relationship to your neighbors. Exercise a little bit of, of, uh, of discipline and and, and, and intelligence but love your God love the Lord your God with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself that, that's the solution here you see some stipulations in, sti- in verse 36 there's a, 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 some further stipulations of this matter if it be known that the ox hath used to push in time past if, if that ox has gored it's gored before and it gored something else and killed it already. And, and maybe it gored something and didn't kill it, but it gored. And that's just its nature. It's its tendency. Then there's a responsibility of the owner. Okay? So the tendency. Dogs that bite will bite. Oxen that push or gore will push or gore. A proper owner will know if there's a mean ox in the field. 
I knew a person. I went over to visit visit their house, and they said, "Okay, when you go over here, don't get near that thing. It's mean." Well, owners know that kind of stuff, unless they're just aloof. But if it's known that the ox hath pushed or has pushed in the past, and the owner hath not kept him in, you see that responsibility there, negligence, and the responsibility. But but think about that tendency first. A proper owner will know what type of temperament their, their things have. Um, I mean, think about it in the context of, you, of your automobiles that you may have driven. Have you ever had an automobile that, 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 that the brake is just a little bit sensitive or the steering maybe is just a little bit loose or the, or the handling or suspension of the thing is just... And you knew how to drive... You knew the quirks of, the, of that possession. But you also knew that if somebody ever borrowed your car off of it, you have to tell them all that stuff so they don't get hurt. Right? Hey, look, when you push the clutch, you got to push it all the way to the floor. You can't just baby that clutch. you got to push it all the way to the floor. An owner will, a proper owner will see, see to those protections also. They'll see to those protections. They won't just let anybody do anything. They'll, they'll understand the limitations and the behavior and the nature of their things. And loving their neighbor, they'll protect their neighbor from those things. The offended owner isn't punished for their ox simply being there. I want you to see that too. In verses 35 and 36, they're, they're, it, no one says, well, your ox shouldn't have been there. Well, you, yeah, you know mine's mean, but yours shouldn't have been there. No, no, no. No, no, no. You see, that's not a loving attitude at all. Yes, you should be wise and don't be around angry things or angry people. That's wise. But just living, that ox living his life, it's not the owner's responsibility, or the owner's fault that one man's ox gored it. Now he had responsibility of that thing, but you see, the offended owner isn't punished for the for the ox simply being there. The problem comes back to the one man's hurting another, and the problem comes back for one man not keeping his in, and, and that it gores someone else's. It doesn't mean that we're to provoke things. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to go to the fence. Uh, of a neighbor's animals and you know blah, 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 make faces at it and stuff trying to provoke that's not what the law allows but this own these owners are to have responsibility of their own possessions while having respect for the possessions of others right again these animals are responsibilities and properties and, and there are extensions of that we're not just talking about oxen here there are people also that are want to push, and that goes back up to verses 28 and 29, talking about ox, but relating it to people. There are people that are want or prone to push. Personally, I try to stay away from these people as far as I can. I don't like people who like to, to push and gore and, and make trouble and are mean. I, I don't like being around people like that. Yet when they're loose, they must be held accountable for their pushing. This, this, these, this ox, you see, the owner was held accountable for, for the pushing of the ox in verse 36. Stipulation number two, negligence. Read that in verse 36 as well. Or if it be known that the ox hath used to push in time past, and his owner hath not kept him in. The word and means both these things have to apply. For the last part of verse 36 to be implemented, both of those stipulations have to be in, uh, present there. So if it's known... Verses not known, verses 35 and 36. It's not known that they used to push in verse 35. It is known that they used to push in verse 36. 
If it's known that they used to push, it talks about keeping him. It's not even an issue in verse 35. Okay? If my dog's not prone to biting people, I should feel confident that that dog, still being a dog, can go be in the yard. But that dog has bitten people, no, I've got to keep it away from people. You see? So stipulation two is negligence. The first stipulation is tendency, uh, ignored tendencies. Now the second stipulation is negligence. Failure to properly or reasonably care in doing something resulting in damage. Negligence. Negligence. Omission is a form of negligence. Okay? Forgetting to quite close the door and a dog run out and bite somebody, that's negligence. Again, the responsibility of ownership. It comes back to ownership. It's reasonable not to be negligent. That's why the word negligence is used. It's reasonable not to be neg- it's reasonable not to fail to take proper or fail to take proper care in doing something. It's reasonable to think people are going to love God and love their neighbor and protect themselves and their stuff and their neighbor and their stuff. That's reasonable. And yet here we are in the law. Why? Because the natural man in sinfulness is prone not to do that. Not to do that. It's reasonable to love the Lord, fearing him, and to take care in doing what he says. That's reasonable. That would have been reasonable for Adam to do that. And yet he didn't. He was negligent. He failed to take care in doing what God told him to do and not do, and it resulted in damage. Negligence. It's also reasonable to love your neighbor. Thus protect them and their merchandise, them and their stuff. Remember when we were studying the life of Jacob and he made a deal with Laban, said, hey, everything that has spots and streaks and is speckled, you know, all that stuff will belong to me and, and you can have all the good stuff. Remember how Jacob did that? He, he made, in making the, in, in the breeding process, when Jacob had a stick in front of it and was making him fret, that, that, that impacted those animals and how those animals turned out. Okay. So in loving my neighbor, it's also an extension of loving my neighbor is not provoking their substance unto alteration at all. Okay. My dad, he uh, had a neighbor that was on this, this the, the dog was on this chain. And you can see the grass outline where that dog used to, used to be in the yard. Oh, he'd come down every so often and get right at that grass line and just, blah, 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 you know, aggravate that poor dog. Well, one day he did that and he started making faces or whatever. And that dog came out of that dog box and just lunged him and pounced all over him. He was all over him. Well, the neighbor had put a longer chain on that dog, right? So while that was ugly for my dad to go uh, make faces at that dog, it was also ugly for that neighbor to not protect his neighbor and, and not warn him somehow that, that that dog had a longer leash on it, had a longer chain on it. There was no thoughts of, of loving God or loving your neighbor out, out of that circumstance, you see. It's reasonable to love your neighbor. It's reasonable not to chain the, chain, the, the length of chain on your dog. You see what we're saying there. It was negligent. It is negligent to not reverence the Lord. So if someone, if you look here, if someone is, is not caring for what their possessions are doing or their responsibilities and not, they're not taking proper care of their responsibilities, 
and and if they if their responsibilities it's been reported that their that their responsibilities are aggravating to others, and yet they don't do anything to stop it. That is a lack of reverence toward God. A lack of reverence toward God. Now we're talking about animals. We're not talking about people. We're talking about animals. How much more though, if someone has a responsibility of another human being, and yet is negligent on their on for their on their behalf, or negligent in their and uh, in, in, in leading them and guiding them in true ownership and true managerial responsibility toward those people. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. To love the Lord and to love your neighbor. It's negligent to not obey the Lord from the heart. Okay? So Romans, look if you would please, in Romans chapter 2, I made mention of this earlier. It's negligent. It's failure to take proper care and reasonable care in doing something that results in damage. It's negligent to not obey the Lord from the heart. It's sinful. It's negligent. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. For as many as have sinned without the law or outside of the law shall also perish without the law, without law or outside the law. And as many as have sinned in the law, Jews who were given the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Well, he hasn't gotten into justification yet, so he's saying he's going to be saying through the book of Romans that no man by the law shall be justified. Therefore, everyone is a sinner, and no one by works can be justified by God. He's saying all have sinned, all. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law or are outside of the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, Exodus chapter 21, verses 35 and 36, these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or excusing one another. So they might not have the law as, uh, as written in Exodus chapter 21 memorized, but if something of mine hurts something of yours, deep down I know it's sorry, and deep down I know that something has to happen. Restitution must come. My conscience bears record of that. But look at this in verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, whether in the law or out of the law, both are judged according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Both are judged according to Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Both are expected in the law or out of the law to love God and to love their neighbor. Both are expected. So it's negligent not to obey that from the heart. It's negligent not to look out for neighbor. See, the law condemns each of us is that even the conscience of all men testifies that we're all guilty. Yet the law is gracious. God is gracious through the law and that while we offend at every point, the law is not offensive to the Lord. You ever think about that? The law is not... No one ever obeyed the law of God and offended God. That's 
So we may easily see that the law is right and good. And when I mean obey, we just read in Romans chapter 2 that the doers of the law, complete and just, and I say that no one has ever, no, no one has ever obeyed the law and not and 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 offended God. Well, I, sh- I could have stopped in the first part of that sentence. No one has ever obeyed the law. That's right. Everyone's a lawbreaker. But look at Romans chapter seven now for a moment. Romans chapter seven and verse twelve. Romans chapter seven verse twelve. Wherefore the law is holy. And the commandment holy and just and good. So if it's holy and just and good, then it's holy, just and good to love God with everything you got. And it's holy, just and good to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's holy, just and good at, in responsibility of ownership to make sure your stuff doesn't hurt the stuff of somebody else. And it's holy, just, and good to make sure your stuff doesn't hurt someone else. Holy, just, and good. And it's negligent and sinful because sin is the transgression of the law or the breaking of the law. It's negligent, unholy. Look at this back back in, in what we read in Romans chapter 12, 13, verse 12. It's unholy, unjust, and not good or wicked and bad. To not love God and love your neighbor and protect them and their belongings, their stuff. Was was then that which is good made death unto me? Because of grace, can I not just do whatever I want? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment, by the law of God, which is holy, just, and good, might become exceeding sinful. Child of God, we ought to be more aware of our responsibilities in this life toward one another and toward one another's stuff being provoked by the law of God through the Spirit of God. In that exposure, we also see that abiding in the law in the Spirit is a good thing. It's a good thing. My negligence in the law by God's grace ought to bring repentance, rejoicing, and revival. A child of God will experience repentance, rejoicing, and reviving. Restitution. Paybacks. Okay, so we, we looked at restitution in verse 35. If, every, if these are just two animals that, that hurt one another, or one hurt the other one unto death, if you split them both down the middle, everybody gets half and half, evensies. But if there's negligence there, the negligent pay for the new ox of equal or greater value of that harmed. Well, where do you get that? Look at Malachi chapter 1. And it's intuitive. If you turn, find Matthew, go to the Old Testament one, one page. It's, it, it's, the, uh, it's the last book in the Old Testament. Matthew, Malachi chapter 1. Where do you get that equal or lesser value? See the pictures, and we could have read throughout the Levitical priesthood and the types of the sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, this is the Lord speaking, where is mine honor? 
And if I be be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you. O priest that despise my name, and say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. The offerings of the Lord that were that he's talking to uh, through Malachi toward the priest, the offerings by the def, by definition were because of sin under the law. That's why they made offerings was because of sin under the law. So they offered lesser offerings than required. They were supposed to offer fit spotless offerings and they were offering things polluted or defiled they were offering things that were less than what was required of them of lesser value and of course those offerings were picturing the lord jesus christ but the lord calls them polluted i didn't call them polluted i would call them polluted but he calls them polluted that means they're polluted so likewise in restitution it would be defiled before God to slight your neighbor. He says, would you do that to the governor? No, I wouldn't do that to the governor. Well, if you wouldn't do it to the governor, would you do it to one of his magistrates? Well, if you wouldn't do it to one of his magistrates, would you do it to one of his officers? And not one of his officers. Would you do it to the least? The Lord Jesus Christ said, what you do to the least of my children, you do unto me. So if, some, if someone in restitution says, you know what? Yes, uh, uh, you know, I'll do it. I'll pay you back. Years ago, somebody backed into Sister Jill's car, and they said, I'll make it right, and they they wanted to make it right, but they were doing it by their hands and not having any kind of professional work done about it. Well, they didn't make it right, and it wasn't wasn't done very well. No, restitution. Restitution. It only makes sense that, that the person harmed would not be also at a loss. And if I... In the court of love, it makes sense that if I hurt you, that you wouldn't be out of a loss, but I would pay you more than what that thing was hurt for, you see. If I back into your house and knock out one of the posts, well, it should be, be by the time we're done, it should be better than what it was, not lesser. Restitution. The harmed also, you see uh, that, that, that the harmed, it says... And his owner have not kept him. He shall surely pay ox for ox. So of equal or greater value, either the sum of money that the dead ox was worth or an ox that was better than the one that they had. Okay? So pay ox for ox, equal or greater value. I hope you see that. And also it says, and the dead shall be his own. The harmed also keeps the dead ox. And gets to do with it whatever, whatever you know, whatsoever value it brings. It says in verse 35, the last part, and the dead also shall they divide. Well, how are they going to divide it? They're going to split it up for, for sides of beef? They're going to sell it? What are they going to do? Well, whatever the case, the person who has been harmed through injury of their possession, they now get to keep, they get a new ox of equal or greater value and the dead thing. And they can do exactly whatever they please with it. 
If they want to have a barbecue, they can have a barbecue. If they want to sell it, they can sell it. If they want to donate it to the, the poor, the fatherless, and the widows, they can do that. In fact, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 22, a couple passages about that quickly. Exodus 22 and verse 22, ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. So if, if somebody says, you know what, I've got a thousand oxen and this is a dead one. This is dead. I'm going to donate this. And, and uh, loving the Lord and loving my neighbor, I'm going to help the fatherless and widows. Well, that would have been their prerogative to do that. Deuteronomy chapter 10 would give occasion to do the same thing. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 18. Get there. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 18 says, He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger and giving him food and raiment. Well, where does that come from? Might have been one of these gourd ox. I don't know. Chapter 14 and verse 29. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are within thy gates shall come and shall eat and be satisfied that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. It could be very well that this injured, this person that their oxen is dead, that they would have done such a thing. It would have been very neighborly and very loving to do such a thing. Let me read two more along those lines. Psalm 146 and verse 9, The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. And one last in Isaiah, book of Isaiah, chapter 1. Isaiah, chapter 1, and verse 17. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. And that's not just lip service. Again, one might have found occasion with this dead ox being their own, that they would help those that were stood in need. Maybe they, maybe they used it to supply the needs of others. Truly would have been a neighborly thing to do. They could burn it, they could bury it, they could do whatever they wanted with it, but it was theirs. It says, shall be his own, gives the owner the right and responsibility of ownership, but guess what? Owning a dead animal in those days and that, that hot Judean son... That person better be moving pretty quick. So now you see that neighbor having responsibility. An animal could start to turn pretty quick. In such a case, the owner will be responsible. Say I had an ox and Lex had an ox and his ox scored my ox and now it's dead. Well, now the, the, the clock is ticking. I got a dead animal and it's going to start to swell and bloat and decay and all kinds of stuff. I got to get if I'm going to use that ox for anything, I got to get moving or otherwise if I try to serve it as a meal and it's turned already, now I'm responsible. I'm responsible. You, you see here it never ends loving God and loving your neighbor even if, if this person who uh, uh, in verse 36 that they're the victim uh, uh, of another man's possessions and all these things now they're on the clock for responsibility loving God and loving your neighbor has no end it has no end but it is fulfilled in Christ food poisoning disease whatever 
ants could pile up in there and, so, and you start messing with that thing and now you got bugs all over you're a snake or something it could bring in wolves and wool you know whatever you see how this could just it, unattended consequences are limitless here a lion can be drawn in and hurt someone or hurt someone else's thing because the owner of that dead thing didn't move quick enough please love the lord and love your neighbor What's the optimal outcome? Well, the Lord is gracious. The optimum outcome is loving God and loving your neighbor. The optimal outcome, as inferred in the text, is to fear the Lord, fear and to love, to reverence and love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And fearing the Lord in love, knowing it is better to, to, to obey than it is to sacrifice. That's what the prophet Samuel told King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. It's truly wonderful to walk with the Lord, and there's peace and justice and equity, humility before the Lord among the children of men. And it would have been easy, it would have been very easy for people that love one another and love the Lord to either prevent the circumstances of verses 35 and 36 of the responsibility of ownership, or if there were providential issues and things just happened, quote unquote, just happened, that the people of God could settle these things pretty quickly, just trusting the Lord and doing what he said. Again, providentially, things do happen. It would be wise rather than fight to love the Lord and do what he said. It would be wise rather than to sue people to make it right in the eyes of God and man. If I have hurt you, it would be right for me to fix it. If I have hurt something that belongs to you or something that is entrusted of you, it would be right for me to fix it and be right. The people of God would desire to love and trust the Lord and to do what he says and make things right so that people interacting with us would come out ahead than being at a loss. Responsibility of ownership, children of God, if you or your possessions have wronged or hurt someone or something, make it right. Make it right. Love the Lord. Fear him. Trust him. Do what he says. There's responsibility. And you know what? We're designed for responsibility. Verses like this, verses 35 and 36 and verses 28 and 29, responsibility of ownership, these verses are not there to scare you from ownership. They're there to guide you in the ownership and the responsibilities that God has ordained us unto. To teach us how to live. Not to shirk out on responsibilities. Not to scare us away from, from maturity, but to teach us how to live. Responsibility of ownership. Well, you know... We're looking at this ox like it's some low creature. And the man, oh yes, he's the owner and possessor of the oxen. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4 says, all souls are mine. That's the Lord speaking. When you start talking about who the real owner and possessor of all things is, that's what the word Lord means many times translated as owner and possessor of all things. You start considering that that we are children of God. We are a possession of God. So if you insert yourself as the ox here, and you are the possession of God, then how we behave then also must be dealt with. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn there just for a moment, please. And 
we're, we're almost there. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, which is in you, what ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Our text says, If one man's ox, if one man's something hurt another man's something, you are not your own. You are another man's something. Saved and unsaved, you're another man's something. I'm a saved person. I'm another man's child of God. You're another man's creation. And that other man is God Almighty, you see. You're not your own. This is talking to believers. Believers, you're bought with a price. You are a thing owned. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are to behave as God's possession, not your possession. Okay. If you're the Lord's possession and by his law, he is responsible, he will make it good. Think about that for a moment. Again, go back to our text. You are his possession. If as low as you think of an ox is below you, you're much lower than God. You are his possession. And being God's possession, he, by the law, is responsible. You see, when Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, he also fulfilled Exodus chapter 21, verses 35 and 36. If you are God's possession... Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God that is in you, then by the law, he is responsible as owner over you. You see? Guess what? Properly by the text, he will keep his possession, and he will keep his possession bound by the Spirit of God. It says there, and his owner hath not kept him. But God Almighty is a perfect owner obeying the law, so he will keep his possession. Well, how does he do that? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 8. How does he do that? How does he keep a possession where, where man cannot? How, how could he control such a thing? This is a lengthy passage, but tune in. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How does God Almighty keep His possession? Through the Spirit of God. Yes, we're kept throughout all eternity by the Spirit of God, according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're also kept in this life. Read with me, please. We're kept in this life by our owner and possessor, God Almighty, not by fences, not by boards, not by alarm systems, but by the Spirit of God. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin unto death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, Condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteousness of the law, loving God, loving your neighbor, fulfilled in us, who walk, who have a way of life, 
not after the flesh, but after the spirit. How does God keep his creation? How does he keep his possessions? By the spirit. For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Those oxen, those unsaved, they just do whatever they want. But they that are after the spirit, though I was wont to push, and so were you. I was wont to gore, and so were you. But but after the spirit, the things of the spirit, the spirit of God keeps me. You see, God Almighty, owner and possessor of all things, He is responsible under His own law to restrain. Fallen wicked men that have been made alive by the gospel of Jesus Christ, he does it through his spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, opposed against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. They want to push, they'll go or they'll go. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You are kept you are fenced in, if you will. Well, I sin too. I, I sin. The Spirit of God provokes me in repentance, draws me unto Christ, kept by the Spirit of God. If so be, the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If any man is not kept, he's not his. You see, in the responsibility of ownership, if old Bob down the road, his, his oxen got out, well, I'm not responsible for that. God Almighty, those that are, that are reprobate, the children of the devil, they have their own responsibilities, you see, and they'll answer for those things. They will. But God does keep his people. He keeps his people. He keeps his people. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. That if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Okay, so think about this just for a second. What's the keeping power of the owner and possessor of all things? We'll put it in the context of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's how powerful the keeping power of God Almighty is toward his possession. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, same spirit. That's right. Same keeping. Same power. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Yes, and time to come. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Keep reading. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you but if you live, live. If you live, if you make your way, if you live through the Spirit, do mortify. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led, yeah. mark that word, led. What's that? Paths of righteousness, places you can go, behaviors, led by the Spirit of God. Kept by the Spirit of God, bounded by the Spirit of God. Yes, I was wont to push of my own self, but I'm led, I'm bound, I'm kept by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. God Almighty, 
is not negligent in his ownership. He's not negligent at all. In fact, the Spirit of God restrains me. Yeah. I'm kept. Praise God. God Almighty, He will keep His possession because He's responsible under His own law. He's not going to write a law then be then be He's outside the law. He created the law, you see, but He also will not violate His law. That's right. He can't. He can't. So if one continues to push and gore that soul, and that soul belongs to the Lord, there are three possible outcomes. Chastisement's coming. That's an outcome. First John chapter 5, there's a sin unto death. I would not pray for it. That's an outcome. Or it could be that that person isn't saved and they're deceived. Woefully deceived. But know this. God won't be mocked. And if someone is God's possession, we just read at length in Romans chapter 8, first 14 verses, that God will keep his people by the Spirit of God according to righteousness. He will do it. Child of God, love the Lord and love your neighbor. It ought to, it ought to be no stretch at all. For a child of God, having the Spirit of God to trust the Lord and to love his, love the people of God. It ought to be no stretch at all. If there's a problem with that, repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sinner, I do want to let you know there is hope. There is hope. I mentioned Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. He says, the, the soul, uh, all souls are mine, saith the Lord. You as a possession of God. He says all souls are mine. That means you belong to him also. You're one to push. And there was a payment. Look at verse 36 again. Or if it be known that the ox hath used to push in time past, you're a sinner, you're known to sin, you're known to sin, you're known to sin, you're known to keep sinning. That's all you'll do. That's all you'll ever do outside of Jesus Christ. That's all you'll ever do is sin. That's all I ever would have done outside of Christ was sin. All that is in me, there is no good thing by birth. One time passed the push, and his owner had not, not kept him in. Well, that's not negligence on God's behalf. That's responsibility on yours. He shall surely pay ox for ox. Remember, when we said ox for ox, it was of equal or greater value something of equal or lesser value cannot save you so i cannot save you you cannot save you the whole world of people can't save you angels can't save you ox for ox the blessed pure and perfect substitute of reconciliation jesus christ behold the lord's christ who, item for item of equal and greater value, I say equal in that he was a man, I say greater in that he is God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 speaks of that that thing for thing, that possession for possession, that soul for soul, if you will. 
of equal or greater value. Chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same. You could say that in flesh and blood, now his blood was sinless blood and his flesh was without sin, but he was a man. Okay? So tangible man, sinless, but a man. That through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil, and deliver him through fear of death, uh, uh, them who through death, the fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, like unto but of greater value. Why? Because being the Son of God, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. There is only one of such a great value that can make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Ox for ox, you could say. There is one. The Lord Jesus Christ. There is one. He paid the cost where no other could. He satisfied the demand of injury where no other could. Though a sinner is dead, yet in the gospel they can be given life and liberty and love in Jesus Christ. Dead. You see, verse 35, that he died. There's death here. Death. His owner have not kept him, he shall surely pay ox for ox. Death. These things are fine and wonderful. They're good. Whether through a tendency or whether through, through negligence, in either case and in both cases, I believe all men are guilty before God and worthy for death, and there is only one sure payment. How were we redeemed? What do we just what do we just read in First Corinthians? First Corinthians chapter six. Bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That price is so heavy and so great and so wonderful. Yet was made for the people of God. Praise God. Sinner, you may be asking yourself, what do I do? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what Peter told that big group of people, isn't it? And it was right. See yourself as one want to push. See yourself as one that deserves to be just cast aside. See yourself one that, uh, that has violated the law of God. See yourself as one that, that men's must be made and you cannot make them. Why would someone call upon the Lord? Because they got nowhere else to go. That's why people call upon the name of the Lord. What wonderful, what wonderful desperation the Lord brings upon his people. Repent of your negligence. Repent of your, uh, 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 of your failings before God. See your responsibility before God. And fall on his Christ lest he fall upon you. I thank God. I, you know, the, the, there's so much in the law. I thank God for the law. What wonderful examinations of grace and mercy we can find in the law. 
at the expense of these poor oxen. Sin and repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.